Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share Home Threads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to HomeThreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. I start to like spicy things a lot in the fall. I love spicy food all year round, but I find that like roasted vegetables and all these like earthy, deep flavors really benefit from a splash of acid and some heat. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding us kids. Hey, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stacy, how are you doing today? I'm okay. I'm just okay. Does it feel like fall in New York? It does not. Oh, really? Like, not even a little. So this past weekend, two back-to-back flag football games, and I, like, got sunburn on my back, and I was dying. I was in a t-shirt and, like, ripped light jeans, dying. And it's getting really hot in the afternoons. I mean, it was still, like, in the high 70s, low 80s. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, not that crazy. I feel like a lot of the country is dealing with that, like even California and the South. Someone on my Instagram who I know and love from when we lived in Atlanta made a comment about like, is it really fall? I'm still sweating in the 90s on an Instagram post recently. Boise has the most delicious fall weather. I won't even share because it's not fair, honestly. But today we're going to talk about what to eat now for fall, because that's like top of my mind. I like this idea. And we talked about this recently in a live we did with our friends Made Good about in those transitional seasons, I'm doing things like eating from my freezer and then also like kind of switching up what's in my pantry and what's in my freezer for more like fall and winter cozy cooking. Yes. Although is your farmer's market full of fall produce yet? It's a good mix. Like we're still getting some stone fruit, like peaches and plums, which grow really well here in Idaho. But then there there are apples and pears and um, different squash that are starting to show up at the market. I haven't seen pears or squash yet. Interesting. Definitely the apples are big and grapes are starting to be really beautiful here. All different kinds, varieties. I'm going to say something... I recently decided I don't, I'm not really into grapes. Whoa. (laughs) Okay. My energy just ticked up like 10 knots. I know. I said something inflammatory about grapes. I don't know why. I like, I always buy them for the kids. The kids really like to eat them, but I just struggle to enjoy them. I only like them when they're like crunchy, crisp. If they have a little bit of softness to them at all, I'm, it's a nope for me. 
Okay, I want to dig into this for one more second because we don't want to spend too much time. No. But before we get into everything and really dig into our fall pantries and what to eat now suggestions, let's take a minute to hear from our sponsor, Made Good. Stacey, just as we make it through summer with all the kids snacking us out of house and home, it's time for back to school and we have a brand new set of snack problems to solve. Ah, I know. Tell me about it. Between school-safe snacks for lunchboxes, lower sugar snacks to avoid the dreaded after-school sugar crash, and fortifying snacks to fuel after-school activities, it's so hard to find products you can just grab and go anytime, any day. That's what makes our sponsor Made Good so fantastic. Their products are free of the common allergens, made in a peanut and tree nut-free facility, certified organic and non-GMO. And you didn't even mention the best part, Megan. (laughs) Each individually wrapped package also contains a full serving of veggies that you 100% cannot taste. And go ahead, ask me how I know. Oh, I know how you know, sister, because made good snacks are delicious and you're not the only parent who eats them too. With granola bars, granola minis, soft baked cookies, and crispy squares in a wide range of flavors made with only a small handful of ingredients, Made Good is a staple in my pantry. And mine too, which is why we're so thrilled to share this brand we trust with our listeners. To learn more about Made Good, go to madegoodfoods.com. Okay, Megan. Just for one more second, can we talk about grapes? <laughs> we can, we can. I don't like, feel ashamed. I know it's, it's how I feel. I, I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm not trying to shame you. No, I know. It's a no judgment zone here. I'm just so curious because I find them to be so, so easy and really delicious. I agree. If they're even a little bit soft, it's a no-go. And I don't like seeds in my grapes. Except this time of year when you get those concords and those like specialty grapes that have such a gorgeous flavor. And I like baking with them. Really? And that's what I wanted to circle around to because you're the resident baker here. I know. And someone, was it Sarah Copeland recently was sharing like a beautiful little snack platter where she roasted the grapes. And I was like, I don't know if I can get down with the texture. I love the flavor of grapes. So as long as they're crunchy, and sometimes if we buy some and they're kind of soft, I'll, I will freeze them so that they are crunchy and then eat that as a snack. So it's not a flavor thing. It's a it's a texture thing. Really interesting because I like like a simple like snack cake with grapes. Yes, or that sounds delicious. If you go savory, grapes with roasted chicken, just like throwing them around and roasting a chicken with grapes. There's a focaccia recipe that I love that calls for grapes or olives, and so that's so good. But again, that it's that's a hard texture for me. I like raisins. I like all the. I like wine. <laughs> <laughs> all the forms of grapes, but interesting. And I still buy them because my kids really love them. So yeah, that's a that's a challenging thing when grapes are in season, and I feel I feel like I should be eating them. Yeah. Well, no. Hey, Megan. You do but you, girl. Maybe I'm not. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, so here's the idea for today's episode. We did a what to eat now right before summer started, and it was really popular. I was inspired by one of our Instagram followers. She's a chef. Her name is Krista Edels, and she has a blog called Nourished and Whole. And I was poking around on her blog, and I found this post about 
a fall pantry capsule. And, you know, I'm a wannabe minimalist. And so I love this idea that like you have a small list of things that you like use and cook from during certain seasons. It's also just like a nice change of pace. So it's really been the top of my mind. I'm like, what can I buy now that it's like just starting to feel like fall, but there's still summer produce at the market that will get me excited about cooking for fall and what's like on my to cook list for fall too, because I have some things like that I can't miss, including stuff for holidays, like Halloween that's coming up. So I'm curious, do you do any of that? I know you just did a big pantry overhaul for snacks and smoothies. I did. And actually, you know, we've talked about this. You're a minimalist. Yes. I'm a maximalist. I, I'm a maximalist who is also very committed to making sure that I make the most of what I have and that my money is well spent and I reduce food waste. So if you watched that IGTV where I go through my snack pantry and for you guys, don't follow me already. I'm at Stacy Billis on Instagram and it was a personal IGTV. So you can go look at it there. It's just in the library. You can see that I really have a pretty small pantry and, you know, New York City life. And so I'm forced to edit myself in a way that I probably wouldn't if I lived in a big suburban house. But I also really like to have everything that I might ever want. All the things. All the things. Like when I'm developing a recipe or I have a whim, like I like having everything stocked. So I don't really do something seasonal. But when you brought up the idea of this episode, I did start paying attention and I noticed that there are some things I grab more frequently and less frequently as the seasons change. So I think this is a really great topic for people who, you know, are on either end of the spectrum because you can stock your pantry differently or maybe just, you know, think about grabbing different ingredients now that it's fall or even organizing your pantry in a new way so that you can put new fall yummy flavored things up front and the summery stuff in the back. Yes, yes, yes. I would even argue that um, spring cleaning is kind of bullshit. (laughs) Say it, girl. And that fall cleaning is better. Well, especially when it comes to your kitchen, right? Because like in the spring, the the way I cook changes, spring and summer, the way I cook changes. And I'm actually relying a little bit less on my pantry and my freezer. I'm just like buying beautiful produce and cooking it as simply as possible. But once the weather cools down a little bit, I'm definitely reaching for more of my spices, my baking ingredients. And so it makes sense to actually like give those a a dusting off before all of the holiday cooking starts. Nice. Holiday cooking. Bringing it in. We won't get too deep into that. Okay. (laughs) I just got stressed. Did you? Okay. I will I will totally take the lead on this one. And but my question is, do you want to start with what things we're buying for cooking for fall? Or do you want to start with recipe ideas? Let's start with how like the ingredients that we're using whether they're buying fresh or like bringing them to the forefront of our kitchen so like i said i was thinking about it and i realized that in the fall 
I do a lot of curries mm-hmm. because it's like the beginning of that soup stew season, but they're, they, you can keep them really light still. You can vary the amount of liquid you put. You know, you can even just use a curry paste to make a quick stir fry, which I like too. But you get that warming broth, but you can still just have just like a few vegetables, a really light, bright sauce, rice or no rice. So I love curries this time of year, and that means bringing those curry pastes to the front. And I tend towards Thai curries usually, and I like the brand. Oh boy, I'm gonna have to put it in the show notes. I think it's called Masiman. Okay, no, that's Masiman a type of curry. Type yeah, of it's curry. a type of curry paste. So but I'm it could mixing be a brand, it with brand too. I'm gonna look it up and put it in the show notes. But there is, I went through a Thai cooking phase like maybe four or five years ago. And I did a ton of research and taste testing, and I landed on this, and I'm going to put it in the show notes. It's pretty easy to find at Thai specialty stores, but those aren't easy to find. You can also find it on Amazon. Yes. I also have curry paste and harissa on my to-buy list for fall. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what the brand is that you like. I will, I'm open to recommendations. I don't have a favorite yet. And I feel like this fall is the fall where I'm really going to try to introduce curries more to my kids. I feel like I've shied away from anything outside of like butter chicken, which is a very entry level. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to warm up our, our fall cooking a little more. Here's the brand, just so you know. It's called, I don't know how you pronounce it. Maisry, okay. Maisry, M-A-E-S-R-I. They have a yellow curry paste, a green, and a red. And I like to have all three in my pantry, one can of each. Yes. I know a lot of people like uh, Mayploy too, M-A-E-P-L-O-Y, but I like the Maisry better, personally. But they're both good. And yellow curry paste, I do keep the paste around, but actually, if I'm going to go for something yellow curry... I tend to use Indian style yellow curry powder, which I also keep on hand and use a lot in the fall. Ooh, that's interesting. You know the turmeric brand Dis- Dispara and Co? Do you know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about? Is yeah, Diaspora. I think Diaspora. it's Diaspora. Yes, thank you. Sorry, yeah. I was like not looking at it. Um, yeah. Do they make a yellow curry powder? That's also on, think so. on my mind. I'm like, ooh, I want to buy some spices from them. It's time to update spices in general. Yeah, I think they only make turmeric. Really? Okay. We should link to that in show notes too. Okay, so curry. curry. We're all about warming spices, sauces for fall. Agreed. I start to like spicy things a lot in the fall. I love spicy food all year round, but I find that like roasted vegetables and all these like earthy, deep flavors really benefit from a splash of acid and some heat, right? Yes. So vinegars and crunchy chili oil, top of my list for fall. Put that on everything. I feel like crunchy chili oil was going around Instagram at the beginning of summer and I missed out on it. I think Trader Joe's sells a version of it, but do you have a favorite? I mean, like the one I have in my pantry right now, I think is Lao Gain Ma spicy chili crisp, but okay. I'm looking on Amazon. I'll include that link. It's the label is all in Chinese. Um, but I, you know, like I'll just go to the market and get like the Asian market and get whichever one looks good or calls out to me. 
And how do you use it the most? I've seen it like on top of eggs, both scrambled and fried, or just you're mostly throwing it on roasted vegetables. I do a lot of roasted vegetables and I do a lot of noodles. So that's another thing is that, Mm. you know, I don't love eating pasta all the time, but definitely in the fall. And it'll be interesting to see how I kind of amend that now that I'm eating lower carb. Although I'm not on a no carb diet. If I'm going to eat carbs, I do eat it at night. Like we had pasta with cauliflower the other night. And I don't know about this from like a nutritionist standpoint, but aren't there a lot of like Asian and Thai noodles that are lower carb, like rice noodles and egg noodles? Yes. So rice noodles are high carb too. Oh, are they? they, uh, Yeah. Rice actually makes me crash almost more than regular. Oh, really? Yeah. Durham wheat pasta. Yeah, there are tofu noodles. Yeah. I don't love those. I don't think that they function as well. I feel like if you get that, you're making something specific that calls for tofu noodles. I see. Yeah. But I did just stock up on thick slurpy udon noodles, which (sighs) like curries, again, you make a very light dashi. So you get that warming broth, but the taste is so clean and light that it feels transitional. It's not like a heavy duty winter thing. And my kids love udon noodles. Also, who doesn't love a slurpy noodle? Oh, yummy. So cozy. And this crunchy oil, oh, perfection on top. Yes. What else, Stacey? Soba noodles. So yes. now that we're in the noodle zone. Um, in the noodle so zone. The noodle zone. Yes. I want to live in the noodles. Me too. <laughs> Take a nap on um, it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, soba noodles. I mentioned vegetable pancakes recently. But all manner of that, um, I just bought a bunch of stuff to make okonomiyaki, which are Japanese-style pancakes made typically with shredded cabbage, and it can be octopus. I bought little shrimp that I'm going to chop up and throw in there, too. They're super savory. Oh, they're so good. Yes. So a lot of, like, pancake for dinner, but not breakfast pancakes, savory pancakes. Roast chicken, obviously perfect fall winter dinner and it's great for that transition and this might be a surprise i'm waiting i feel like (laughs) well i feel like summer is all about pies because the fruit is so beautiful and yes but also i love making homemade pie dough and i feel much more motivated maybe because it helps me with dinner and it doesn't feel like an extra project for a sweet pie dough for making all manner of savory galettes. Yes. Because I feel like fall produce is so perfect for that. And as a shortcut, if you don't want to make homemade pie dough, a galette doesn't really work with the frozen pie dough because it already usually comes in a tin. But puff pastry is another beautiful, easy way to make the same idea where you have dough and then you can put anything like underneath. You can put maybe nothing or pesto or ricotta cheese and then just layer it with fall produce all manner of cheese yeah i want to add that yes you cannot use the frozen pre-packaged pie shells but you can buy refrigerated pie dough that's like rolled up and it's already rolled in little rounds to make galettes there you go so perfect i mean i think you should make pie crust you can do it really easily in the food processor but i I understand that it's like totally intimidating to some people yeah i mean guys i'm not a baker like i'm not going around thinking like oh no big whoop let me whip up a cake 
I am. Like, that I know you are. That's why. I, <laughs> that's why I'm talking to them because they need to hear this one from I me. I feel attacked, Stacey. No, no, I'm it's kidding. a beautiful thing. I just think if you're not like that, I want them to know that I'm not either. And pie dough really can be super easy, and it's also really easy to make enough to stock your freezer so that you can make a couple of galettes, you know, and you're just making pie dough once. Yeah. That's what I think. I love that idea. Cause like my food processor lives in our garage because we do have a small kitchen. And so anytime I'm having to like lug it in from the garage, I want to make the most of it. So if I'm taking it out to make one pie crust, I'm definitely making two or three pie crusts and sticking them in the freezer and they freeze beautifully. Yeah. Right. Oh, so great. Okay. So I kind of was talking a little bit about ingredients and dishes. Tell me like what you're looking to buy for your fall pantry. Okay. I definitely have phyllo and puff pastry from the freezer on my list because not just for like, like you said, making galettes or making savory tarts for dinner or putting on top of, let's say like a chicken pot pie, but just for easy fall baking in general, like puff pastry, we use a lot for sausage in a snuggie do you know what i mean yes, <laughs> like, totally. pigs in a blanket but large for yeah that. so we buy like pre-cooked sausages and wrap them in puff pastry and do that as like a fun friday night dinner and my kids love that and then also making little like pocket pies for savory pocket pies for dinner like browning some ground beef and vegetables too with the ground beef and making a little pocket pie with the puff pastry which is great for on-the-go meals for those of us who are trying to manage after-school activities and athletics around dinner time. Yeah, and you could do the same thing with pie dough. I just feel like puff pastry is feels luxurious, and it's something that like the really good brands that sometimes sell out in the holiday season are now coming back into the stores. Like um, DeFores is a brand that we really love that you can buy at Whole Foods and occasionally other supermarkets sell it. And then Trader Joe's Puff Pastry is really great, but they ha- it's like when it's there, people stock up on it and then it's gone for the season. So now's the time to buy it, I think. This feels a little like opposite of your noodle situation where I am refreshing cornmeal for baking and then grits because that's one of those things that my family loves, but I forget that they love it. And it's sort of cozy in the way that like risotto is cozy. Perfect bowl food. You cook a pot of grits. You can do grits in the slow cooker while you're at work, which is really nice. Or you can sort of shortcut them by bringing them to a boil in water. Like if you're doing two cups of grits and you want to cover them with like a quart of water and you bring them to a boil really quickly, put the lid on and then take them off the heat and let them rest for 15 to 20 minutes and then bring them back onto the heat and simmer them until they're thickened and they've absorbed most of the water. That cuts down on what can be a long cooking time for whole grain grits. That's genius. I've never done that. I actually really rarely cook grits, but I do like congee which is a yes. Chinese style Very similar, rice like, porridge. porridge situation, right? Yeah. It's a rice porridge. Where were we going? Somewhere where somehow we ended up on Cathay Pacific Airlines <laughs> and my kids, because they've never been all the way to Asia. So I don't remember what the flight is. It hardly matters. But they tried kanji and Isaac really, really liked it. And it, again, has that, I guess I clearly like that combination of something that's warming, but still feels light. 
Yes. I don't know if I would describe grits as feeling like, because also usually they're finished with like a nice knob of butter <laughs> and a heavy sprinkling of cheese, Parmesan or sharp cheddar in our house. Yeah, I think there are similarities between kanji and grits, all manner of things. What do you put on grits? Obviously, we do shrimp and grits a lot, which is one of my husband's favorite meals. And is really like the grits take a long time to cook, relatively long time to cook, 30 minutes or so, um, even if you're using that shortcut. But the like sausage, shrimp, canned tomatoes, onion, garlic, peppers comes together really quickly in like a cast iron skillet. So we like to do that. My kids like the sausage. They're not they don't love the shrimp as much, but we still cook it um, regularly. And then also just like any kind of topping that you would turn into like a bowl food so we do ground beef or if we have like leftover roast chicken we sometimes toss it with salsa and put it on top of grits any manner of like roasted vegetables and canned chickpeas on top of grits is really good comfort food it's essentially stuff you can put the bowl under your mouth and scoop with a spoon which is how i want to eat all fall yes (laughs) say it okay another thing that's on my like A very specific product that's on my to-buy list is I want to buy some Rancho Gordo beans, specifically their Corona beans. You mentioned this before, I feel like. Did I? Was there a waiting list or something and you couldn't get them? Well, remember when we had David Tamarkin on to talk about intentional leftovers? Oh, that's what he was it was. Like, I finally yes. got onto the Rancho Gordo Bean Club and I feel yes, the joy yes, that it I feels remember. to have children. <laughs> I'm not joining the bean club. I feel like I can't commit to that. But Sheila, one of my coworkers at Kitchen, she just wrote this post about these Corona beans, which they're like large beans and you simmer them until they're really soft. And I recently, there was some recipe I was trying to make and something went wrong. And so I ended up toasting like some large white beans in the oven, getting them crispy or it wasn't in the oven. It was actually on the stovetop. I fried them with garlic and olive oil and my kids just gobbled them up. They were like, these snacking beans are delicious. So I want to do that a bunch with these Corona beans, like simmer them in broth until they're tender and then stock the freezer with them and then have them as like a supplement to meals sometimes as snacking beans or even as a snack. I I mean, my kids love beans. My kids will eat chickpeas from the can. Like it doesn't yeah. even need to be drained for them. Same. I feel like beans are a really, really easy sell in my house. Yes. I feel very lucky that way. Yeah. So I'll definitely be stocking up on dried beans and canned beans for fall cooking. Let me get into baking because it's about to be baking season. Oh, do it. You know what? Actually, before we talk about baking, we should take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Ponza. Okay, you guys, you've heard me carry on about how much I love Bonza chickpea pasta in several episodes this season, which is why I couldn't be more excited to let you know that they have recently become a sponsor. Honestly, we're so lucky that the coolest brands, ones that we love, trust, and spend our own money on, end up supporting Didn't I Just Feed You and our community. Especially when their product is such an incredible lifesaver. Bonza chickpea pasta works, tastes, and feels just like regular pasta, which is the kid win, but it has nearly double the protein, three times the fiber, and 30% fewer net carbs, which if you ask me, is the mom win. And don't forget, it's also gluten-free, vegan, and non-GMO. With spaghetti and tons of pasta shapes, including their new alphabets, 
Fonza has pasta and even rice that works for nearly everything and everybody, including me and my, you know, little low-carb diet I got going on. Pasta is back. And you know pasta never went away in my house. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm loving all that extra protein, especially in the mac and cheese. For more information about Bonza chickpea pasta, visit eatbonza.com backslash didn't I just feed you, where you'll also find our personal favorite Bonza pasta shapes. Plus, there's an exclusive coupon code for didn't I just feed you listeners off your next Bonza order. All right. So baking, baking season. I have a laundry list of things that I want to bake this fall, starting with I want to make pretzels from scratch, which I I feel very comfortable doing. I just haven't done it in a while. And so I just re-upped a bunch of salts from Amazon. I got some Jacobson sea salt, which I got to meet Ben Jacobson this summer at an event. And he's so nice. And he really was like excited to talk about salt, which I just love people that like love their business. And I also ordered some smoky Malden salt, which is not for finishing pretzels, but is also for finishing baked goods, which is why it's important to have it in my in my pantry. Like think of a blondie, which, you know, is kind of like a butterscotch, has like almost a butterscotch flavor to it from all the brown sugar and the butter. And then you put smoky salt on top of it. It is just out of this world. Good. Yeah. I also am refreshing my sprinkle stash. Of course. (laughs) I've been waiting for it. Just my basic um, rainbow sprinkles, but also some like Halloween themed sprinkles, because one of the things that Ella put on her fall bucket list, I roll that you can't see, her fall bucket list is making what we call boo bark, which is basically like you melt chocolate, you can do white or dark chocolate. Yeah, I feel like you mentioned it last year. She really loves it. Yeah, she really loves it. She always remembers it. So you melt chocolate and spread it out on a piece of parchment and then you can put any kind of topping on it. You can do like pretzels and sprinkles. You could do more candy on top. Sometimes we do like Reese's Pieces peanut butter stuff on top. It's just like a fun festive snack treat. I'm also refreshing all of my spices. We have a new zero waste market that just opened in Boise. And so I'm excited to like take all my little spice jars and refill my cinnamon and my cardamom and even like different chili powders, smoked paprika, garlic and onion powder, which I can't remember. Have we talked about whether we like garlic or onion powder before? I use it. I don't know if it's like lame that I do, but sometimes Why? you Why need it. Be? I don't know. Cause I'm supposed to be like a food professional who always minces her garlic. Sometimes I'm using garlic powder. You guys, <laughs> I was, I was just about to say, I always use it, but I do. I combine it. I very mm-hmm. rarely use either alone. Yeah. I, and I would say that I like, usually combine it to like something like taco season where you want a really bold flavor. Yes. Salt will take you part of the way, but you risk going super salty to really get that kind of heightened taste that yeah. you want. And that's when I'll use fresh and powdered garlic, fresh onion and onion powder. Oh, so I think we it's a good to note that there's like a distinction between garlic powder without salt and garlic yes, salt. Yes, I never use garlic salt. Which I almost never buy garlic salt, but I do agree that like the one-two punch of garlic powder, because garlic powder is almost sweeter. It's like as if you roasted garlic and then put it in something, 
Whereas fresh garlic has that bite, that pungency that we love from garlic. So yes, I use them together sometimes and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm just throwing garlic powder in my bonza mac and cheese, which all of you Do you really do that? No, it's really his favorite. It's, <laughs> yeah, so, it's good. so good. It's really good. So then uh, outside like refreshing spices for baking, I'm also buying some canned pumpkin, which I feel like canned pumpkin is one of those things I should probably keep in my pantry all year long for like adding to soups and for making quick breads, but I kind of just forget about it. And I am just going to be like full of transparent that there's no way in hell I'm buying a full pumpkin, this like a whole pumpkin to roast and turn into pumpkin puree. Yeah, no. Instead, I'm going to go buy like four cans of Libby and be so happy. I buy canned pumpkin this time of year. Also, I keep canned sweet potato around Ooh, all year round. I almost never buy canned sweet potato. They are basically interchangeable. Do it yeah, test, right? People. You'll figure it out. It's basically interchangeable. And I always have some canned sweet potato, partly because in a pinch... I will use that for enchilada fillings. We do a yes. lot of sweet potato black bean enchiladas, which are also a great fall dish. 100%. Where to make it quickly, you'll just take some minced garlic and garlic powder. Hey, people, skip the minced garlic. Make it really easy. Garlic powder, you put some of your cheese in there. You put a can of drained and rinsed black beans in there. Cumin, if you like oregano, you can put in there and literally just mix it up in a bowl and then use that as the filling to roll up your enchiladas with some like jarred red sauce. And it's really good. Now I want enchiladas. I love enchiladas so much. And I'm going to put that on my to cook recipe list. Okay, I think we should switch gears a tiny bit and talk more specifically about recipes. I mentioned pretzels as one of the baking pro- and boobark, which we'll put links to both of those in the show notes. You mentioned roast chicken. And what else? What else are you like? What do you cook every fall or what are you excited to cook right now? Besides enchiladas also, which we agree is brilliant. Well, it's funny that you I knew we were going to go here and I was like, oh, what exact recipes? And I will curate a bunch of recipes to put in the show notes. Yes. But the truth is fall and especially this transition time that we're talking about are extremely busy for me. Yes. Which is why at the top of the show, I just, when you asked how I was, I was like, You're okay. Like, well, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> There's so much going on. So this time of year, almost more than even in the summer, people talk about improvising your cooking in the summertime because of the vegetables and the produce and what's available. Yes to that. But I actually improvise the most this time of year. And that doesn't, that isn't motivated by what's available in terms of produce and food. It's just like a pure reaction to what's going on in my life this time of year, every single year, getting the kids back to school, getting back into a routine, the sports, the this, the that. So a lot of what I mentioned, soba noodles, roasting a chicken, vegetable pancakes, these are things that I'm improvising. like. I didn't go food shopping this week. I tried to sit down on Sunday and do it, like get it delivered. It's Wednesday. I still haven't gone food shopping. So (laughs) I've had to improvise. A lot of these ingredients I mentioned are really truly pantry ingredients. And so I'm grabbing them. And then like with that leftover roast chicken, I'm throwing it into a pancake with shredded zucchini because that zucchini is going to go bad if I don't use it because it's from... Not last weekend, but the weekend before's Farmer's Market Hall. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of that going on for me. And I will curate some recipes to help get people on a path. 
But I don't know. I mean, that's why I was so curious and asking questions about your grits. Yeah. I, because I, that's perfect. I really appreciate that because I think that is a thing that we don't talk about enough. It almost could be its own show altogether. Like, how do you riff on the things you know? Or how do you cut that sort of expression? How do you cook from the hip? Like, how do you cook without a recipe? Yes. Um, it does take a lot of knowledge, but also... It takes you looking at a recipe that your family already loves and finding a way to update it or tweak something until you you end up with a whole brand new recipe, right? Yes. Which is the best kind of cooking. And I do feel like we're entering the season of just cooking more in general. So even just having general ideas like without recipes is helpful and inspiring to me. And I think that's why I love things like the chili oil, the curry paste, yes. because you really, yes, you definitely need some knowledge and you need to feel experienced in the kitchen, but it's more about confidence than anything. Cause honestly, if you toast a curry paste that comes from a can and is a brand you like a flavor you like, add a can of coconut milk. Yeah. Okay. Then throw in whatever dinner's done yeah. and serve it over. Dinner's plain done. Pancakes. You get one batter that you like. And again, I'll share recipes and you guys can experiment. But the batter is typically like a flour. And like sometimes I put beers, sometimes I put like milk. It's so simple. And then throw in chopped up veggies. Any vegetables and protein too. Like you said, chicken, roast chicken. If you have ground meat leftover that's cooked, throw that in there. And I'm super excited about an upcoming episode that we have that we'll be doing on sauces. Yes, I feel like that's very helpful to cooking from the hip. Yes, like crunchy chili oil, like uh, pickled onions, like pickled jalapenos. That way, if you make something and it's really simple and you're like, "Mm, this is falling a little flat for me. Throw a pesto on it. Throw a sauce on it. Throw pickled onions. Yeah, even a basic vinaigrette. Yes. I think we've talked about this before. It might have been like the very first season that we do a maple mustard vinaigrette that's kind of like our house dressing. And it is so great on fall produce, like roasting a butternut squash and then tossing it with some shaved Brussels sprouts and that dressing. It's like a easy, easy side dish without even thinking about it. Exactly. Also, I feel like we can't end an episode talking about fall cooking without just shouting out soup do it girl (laughs) well because okay one of the things on my list to make is um like pumpkin soup but it's a hacky pumpkin soup where you like grate the onions you don't even have to chop you grate the garlic and then it's basically like canned pumpkin and broth and it's like that silky smooth pumpkin soup and with grilled cheese my kids are way into that and i'm always surprised by it like, this is the time of year where I'm trying to use up a bunch of stock that I made last winter b- yes. before it hits that year mark of being in the freezer. And soup is such a great way to use up leftovers. Like, if you have that leftover roast chicken or you have those roasted vegetables and you can pull some broth from the freezer, which maybe listening to the freezer episode is a good next listen so that you can understand what Stacy and I both keep in our freezer and how we like to freeze stock for using in the future. But yeah, shout out to soup. And then you can throw some pasta in it if you want to, or some rice. 
And my kids are always really excited about that. And like you were saying, you feel lucky that Isaac and Oliver will eat beans. I feel lucky that my kids will eat soup. Ella's obsessed with minestrone. She thinks it's the greatest soup in all the land. (laughs) It's mostly vegetables. I mean, it's like delicious. It has a lot of veggies. And then and then it has pasta. Hello, what's not to love? Delicious. And usually cute pasta. Right. Oh, I'm excited to try it with some of the bo- like the new Bonza shapes. Like they have that alphabet yes. shape. Yes. Yes. I think Ella will be really into that. All right. Any other? I am. I'm going to give one. Sh- I'm going to give a vegetable a shout out. Oh, okay. Let's. I like this new format. We're shouting out. <laughs> shout out. Shout out. What's your vegetable? Kabocha squash. Ooh, tell us why. Not all fall and winter squashes are created equally. Agree. And I know, like. First, it was butternut. Everybody, I I think not not everybody. Most people seem very familiar with butternut. It must be growing in popularity because I think it wasn't purchased a lot because it feels hard to peel and cut yeah. up and manage. And now I feel like pre-cubed butternut squash is one of the most popular, you know, pre. You can buy veggies. it in the freezer. Yes, it's everywhere, right? And then spaghetti squash started to like you know go up in popularity mm-hmm. whole 30 and all those people exactly who are e- eating lower carb although let's please please it's not pasta it's not even close it's still delicious in its own right i love it with a little bit of butter and yes as i agree but i yeah. tried serving it with meat sauce once very naively and hopefully oh yeah that was a big fat fail and all of us it? were like this is so lame <laughs> i can't even okay we shouldn't poke too much fun because some people really that's what they have to eat so it it's it is is it's delicious spaghetti squash it is and actually it was good but it was good as a side dish yeah like that would be a really delicious side dish the spaghetti squash with the meat sauce but there are all these other squashes and you know i'm not going to go through and name them all but like ask your farmer if you see even different pumpkins different shapes different sizes different colors ask which are edible and delicious kabocha squash is usually dark green and uh speckly um it's a japanese squash and it has a very velvety rich texture and i'll cut it up and i will braise it with golden raisins and apple cider i want to talk a little bit about how to get into squash because i feel like that is intimidating to people like even if you buy a small squash like an acorn squash it's kind of like okay and now how do i cut it Like, what's the entry point? So do you have any advice? No, I mean, it's a pain in the ass. I think, I mean, (laughs) that's our thing, right? Like we're talking about being real. I think what we should do is maybe we should hop on to Instagram. Okay. And do a demo to just show people. Because I think it's just a matter of doing it and knowing the right method, you know, to make sure that you cut a piece so that it's stable and then cut it in half and then scoop it out knowing which squash you can use a peeler for versus which ones you're going to have better success just using your knife and cutting the rind or the peel off of it. Um, I will say that for kabocha squash, if you do have an Asian specialty food store, they will often cut it into smaller pieces Mm, for you. That's helpful. So that you can just buy one or two wedges. I don't know if that's like a New York City thing or what. I don't know. I can't say I've ever really looked. Yeah. I will say I tell most people to kind of approach a squash 
like a watermelon. So that same thing where like you can cut off a yeah, little exactly. part of it to find to make it more stable and then use the biggest knife that you have. If you have a cleaver, like a meat cleaver, which is also something that you can get inexpensively at an Asian market, then try to get it in half with that. And don't be afraid to sort of like put some leverage on the back of the knife to get it through. I'm testing out a hack this week or next week for kitchen where it's like you heat up the squash in the oven for a little bit before you try to peel it because it's supposed to make the skin softer. I don't know if that'll work or not. I'm not feeling optimistic. I, I'm, I'm, can I make a prediction? <laughs> yes. I th- it sounds like we're making the same prediction. Yeah. But you're <laughs> that my prediction is that the amount of time it, it will take to get it, yeah, yeah, to get it soft enough. And then also the kind of impacts how you want to cook it. Although that part might just be more relevant for advanced cooks. Well, if you're going to cube it, I think is the the thing. Like when you want to cube it, how do you peel it? I would cut it in half and then peel the halves. I think that's an easier way because then you kind of have like an entry on the peel in between the peel and the flesh. I'm thinking specifically of like a large butternut squash. But we'll update you in the listeners group or on Instagram with all the information, right? Right. So find us as Didn't I Just Feed You on Instagram and Facebook, where you can also join our private listeners group. You will be prompted to answer a question and you can answer the question with either whiskey or painkiller. And most importantly, be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You so you don't miss a single episode. And you've heard every podcaster say this, but truly, truly, if you like what you hear, please tell your friends and rate and review. We just want to help. And the more people who know. It also makes our job worthwhile. because we want to help as many people as possible. And rating and reviewing actually does impact the algorithm, the big A. (laughs) and helps people find us. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jay Mando. A huge thank you to our editors, Jeremy N., Samantha Gatsik, and the whole team at Counterweight Creative. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to smash all five stars on iTunes and subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding us kids and families. What's the grossest thing you've ever eaten? Uh, well, um, oh, a fish eyeball. <laughs> <laughs>